Welcome to the Embracing You podcast with your host, Eric Pothen. We are all on our own unique journey to discovering ourselves. Each episode, I will help you navigate the journey within to reconnect with and discover the innate love you have for yourself. This podcast will cover topics from self-love to eating disorders and body image to mental health and to overall well-being. My goal is to help you honor and embrace yourself so you may live your most authentic life. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Embracing You podcast. I hope that you all have been doing well, and it's hard to believe that it is officially August. Today's episode I am incredibly excited about because we have a special guest named Marcus Kane. And Marcus Kane is a nutrition coach, and most importantly, another male in the space of eating disorder awareness and advocacy. And this conversation I was able to have with him was incredibly powerful for me as a male who has also gone through living with an eating disorder for several years to have another conversation with a male who also has struggled with an eating disorder. This conversation was candid, it is honest, it is blunt, and I just feel so incredibly grateful to have had the opportunity to share this space with Marcus. And without further ado, let's dive in. Well, hello, Marcus. How are you doing over there? I'm really wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast, Eric. Great, and thank you so much for being here. What time is it over there right now for you? It's like 7 p.m. 7 p.m. It's a little bit after 1, so we have a little bit of a time difference. (laughs) And where are you hopping onto this call from to let our listeners know? I'm in Plymouth in England, so south coast of England, like southwest, I guess. Well, I'm so glad we're able to navigate that time difference here and to be able to be on this call together. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, And so to start today's episode off, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe what you do and what led you to do the work that you do today? Sure. I made every mistake that was possible to make in my health and wellness journey from the period of about 14 years old to almost 30. And in short, that's why I'm here now. I was placing a lot of my value in my appearance to the point where I didn't think that I had any intrinsic value as a human being. It all came from like how I looked and my career and what I could achieve and everything like that. And it reached a point where I kind of imploded on myself. I, I had gotten my dream job. I was, you know, out there doing it and I had a bit of a kind of breakdown. I reached this point where I was like, why the fuck am I not happy? Like I'm, I'm doing everything that my younger self thought would bring me happiness and fulfillment. And like, I've, I've, I've kind of become the guy. Why am I, why am I fucking miserable? Why can't I control my food choices? What, just, just why? And obviously that led me to reflect on a few things and what I was doing and that started the process of leading me to where I am today, I guess. 
Yeah, wonderful. Um, so first of all, I find it incredibly inspiring to have another male in this same similar space of wanting to help others with their relationship with food and their bodies. Um, and so I'm incredibly appreciative of the work that you do as I found you uh, on social media myself. And as I have followed a lot of the work that you've been putting out there, I resonated with a lot of that. And so um, would you be willing to tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the work that you do now and what that looks like? Sure. I work with you know, men and women in the in the nutrition space, but I approach nutrition from the perspective of essentially being a eating disorder informed nutrition coach. I work with quite a few people on what we could call recovery from you know, binge eating, bulimia, that side of things. But also I work with a large number of people who have the the roughest days behind them, so to speak. Like they've they've done a lot of the work, they're out of the woods, but they're still navigating the fitness and, and wellness space from a position of not wanting to fall back into old habits. So those broadly, those are the two groups of people that I work with. And you know, whenever I get in touch with another guy in this space, I'm always so grateful because this is one of those areas where men are suffering with eating disorders and disordered eating to a just such a massive degree. But we we normalize suffering. We have a have a lot. We're still working out as a gender, and um, it's yeah. I, I find it I find it both rewarding and kind of painful at the same time to connect with with men in this space. And to hear them say, like, you know, thank God that I found your work and I'm, I'm grateful to have the help now. But why the fuck did it take me 30 years to find help? Like, I've, I'm, I work with some men who are in their mid 40s, 50s. And speaking with me as recently as last year was like their first experience of actually talking to another man and saying openly, like, I'm struggling with some stuff with food. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know that I'm not happy. I know that I'm struggling and I need, I need help. Yeah, I just think, you know, that's what men have been conditioned to just endure, like to just go through the shit and to not express, to suppress as opposed to express. I think that's really where I'm getting at with this all, but even in my own experience, it was I felt so isolated and detached, I think, because I didn't have anyone to share that experience with, yet alone another male. I think what is really empowering and inspiring about this conversation is, you know, we both have that lived experience. And so to be able to have this conversation with you and to be like, okay, now this is someone who I feel like will get it more than the average individual. A question I have for you is that, you know, in the work that you've done with these men, after digging a little bit deeper with them, have you ever been able to kind of figure out like what's been holding them back from finding that help that they've been needing? Of course, partly it's a lack of resources. We're still in the early stages of even recognizing that men need support in this area. So I'd, I'd say that primarily it's a lack of resources. It's a lack of awareness. I, I don't think that as a society, we leave men out in the cold on purpose. 
at least I want to believe that that's the case. But it's just that, like you said, we've been conditioned to just endure, often in isolation. So we do that, we don't speak up, and as a result, our needs aren't met. And the, the system, the structure to help men through these experiences never becomes established. It never gets created because we're not loud enough about the fact that we need it. We're too maybe embarrassed or too ashamed to say, hey, I need this. And then a lot of men do reach out for help and are turned away. Like I, I've worked with one example comes to mind of a, a guy in his 40s who's you know still working with me his first experience of reaching out to, for help was reaching out to to like a facility of some description their first response was uh we're full we don't have anywhere for you like we can't fit you into our program and then they kind of followed that up with oh and we mostly just work with women anyway like i don't know and so yeah i i'd say that this situation it's it's not because that any particular group of people are evil or or trying to isolate men or or leave us without care or anything like that it's just that if you don't ask you don't get and we've been taught not to ask yeah. What was your experience like when you were, you know, kind of in the depths of your own struggles with eating and body image and whatnot and being a male? My first experience of going to therapy was going to a male therapist, but going to a male therapist who had no comprehension of what it was to experience an eating disorder. So there were male therapists there were men in the mental health space that I could see, but they had no clue how to talk to a guy experiencing, experiencing an eating disorder. So there was a massive disconnect there. And at that stage of my journey, I was still very much in the phase where if I was speaking to someone who looked like they'd never walked into a gym in their entire life, I didn't want to talk to them. I was like, well, what could I possibly learn from you? You don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to have my values. You don't know what it's like to have my goals. You don't know what it's like to, to need to be physically strong, to be fit, to show up in this space looking this way. So, and, and that was, you know, my eating disorder, your eating disorder and body dysmorphia and everything like that. The, the voice of that, that was talking like really loud, but it was enmeshed with my own personality. And I, I wasn't willing to take advice from someone who I didn't think understood the desire to be in quote, good shape. And that was a huge barrier. That was my first experience of reaching out, trying to find someone who I thought could really see me and understand. I didn't, didn't find anyone, couldn't connect with anyone. And then when I saw female therapists, they, they spoke to me in a way that didn't resonate with me. They were lovely people. They were great therapists, but they were trying to speak to values that I didn't have. And that was, that was extremely difficult. I, I started to, to wonder like, am, am I the problem here? Like, do, is this something that's just fundamentally wrong with me? And it took 15 years to connect with a professional in the industry who understood where I was at. 
and was able to help me on my first steps out of that cycle. Yeah, that sounds like a very frustrating journey in a way where I feel like you were trying to take the steps to get yourself the help that you felt like you needed. But I think you hit the nail on the head right there with connection is everything. And I think, you know, as you were talking about, you know, as you were meeting with that first male therapist, how you found that your eating disorder voice and your own voice were kind of meshed together as one. I had a very similar experience. And when I felt like I was talking to someone that didn't mesh well with me, like there was a sense of defiance almost of like, I'm not going to listen to you. And I think, you know, when you do find that person that you fully believe that they understand your experience, and it just makes such a difference. And I think this is like one of my biggest motivators to do this work. And I'm sure it is for you as well. But as you said, there are so many men out there that are currently struggling or have struggled um, with an eating disorder, disordered eating and body image. And, you know, I happened to find you because I searched like male eating disorder advocate. And, you know, your profile had popped up, but beyond you and maybe one or two others, nothing. Even on an internet search, male eating disorder therapist, almost none. I couldn't even maybe find five total. And so I think, you know, I'm even noticing internally as I'm saying those things that I'm feeling frustration, anger, but also inspiration and motivation to have these conversations and, you know, to do this work. Um, And so, yeah, I can see how your experience of not really connecting even with that male therapist, why that relationship and connection didn't help you move forward at all in any of that process. Well, again, it's a huge credit to you that you're in this space and doing this work and like words can't describe how grateful I am that you're here doing what you're doing because it it can feel a bit like a desert at times in this space, but to connect with another man in this space, who's passionate, who's doing the work, I'm really, really grateful to to connect with you. And I'm so grateful that you're here doing what you're doing because we need to build the team out. Absolutely. A question for you then is, you know, if you could say anything to a man out there who is currently struggling with an eating disorder, disordered eating and or body image, what would you say to them? I would say, I know that right now, it might not feel like you can see a way out of your current predicament. I know that right now you might feel like things are at an impasse, but if you start taking steps and just put one foot in front of the other in the direction that you would like to go, if you don't even know where that direction is, if you start taking steps away from where you don't want to be, you will start to find clarity. It's like walking through that fog. You might not be able to see a long distance ahead of you. And that's unsettling in the extreme. But if you start taking steps, you will start to find your way. And guys like myself and Eric are 100% here for that journey and willing to join you on that. 
I got chills as you were speaking that because I was putting myself almost back in when I was struggling with my eating disorder. And I was like, if I even just heard that from another male, oh my, that would have been such a game changer. And so I think that was an absolute beautiful sentiment you just offered up to other men out there. So I just really want to thank you for just the intention and just it was so beautiful. So thank you so much. I hope it helps somebody. It will. I want to switch gears a little bit because I know in our conversation before hopping on to this uh, call, you had mentioned about wanting to talk a little bit about this generation of um, health coaches uh, and whatnot. So would you be willing to just start this conversation off and, and tell us a little bit about you know your thoughts on this generation of health coaches? Sure. There is just something that I'm really passionate about drawing people's awareness to at the moment. And that is the you know new generation of people showing up in the weight loss space. There are a lot of people doing a really good job of showing up in that in that space and giving the same tired message about weight loss and body image as all the previous people that came before them. And I mean dysfunctional, often toxic messages that reinforce things like body image issues and disordered eating and eating disorders. There, there is this generation of, of professionals who have clearly figured out that if they show up and sound a little bit more reasonable, they sound a little bit more chill, they're you know a little bit charismatic, and they're not quite so 1980s sales pitchy, that they connect with a lot of people and they get praised as being, oh, you're so down to earth and you're so reasonable and this is just so refreshing. But really, they're selling the same shit in a different can as the generation of you know, weight loss professionals who they actually criticize in their content. They'll, they'll point out the generation of, of weight loss professionals and people pushing certain body image ideals that came before them. And they'll be like, yeah, look at this dickhead. Like, look at what they're asking you to do. They're pushing such toxic, awful shit. By the way, if you want to lose weight, I can help you with that. And it, it's like, Mm, it's and again not saying that anyone who has the desire to lose weight is wrong i'm not saying that weight loss is like i'm not saying you're wrong for wanting weight loss like it's a it's it's a complex thing there's no moral judgment there but it's more like the commercialization of weight loss the commercialization of body image like insecurity is a huge problem And people are getting really good at marketing that, but sounding somewhat reasonable and and charismatic. And I'm I'm seeing it and it just frustrates the hell out of me. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think I've been doing some thinking about this since you brought this up to me. And I think the biggest thing that comes to my mind is that, you know, I do believe that individuals are becoming more aware that there is life outside of having the perfect body and there's starting to be more acceptance around different body shapes and sizes and ability 
and whatnot. And so I think whenever they hear those buzzwords attached to a personal trainer, that's what they that's what they're going to resonate with. And they're going to think, wow, this person won't really care about how I look. And, you know, even in some of the health influencers or coaches that I've seen, they still push the diet culture agenda very much so, like you said. And so with that, I think they focus too heavily on the external appearance of the body and going to numbers and weight lifted, and they're not actually changing their coaching practices, right? They, they're they so numbers focused where why can't we just become more embodied when we are choosing to move our bodies and to strength train and to you know do all these other physical things that we can do with our bodies? Like, why can't we just focus on that experience in and of itself and separate worth from appearance of the body? And I think that's where there's still a big uh, area of growth in the health and fitness space is that professionals are still focusing too much, I believe, on how do we get this client to have the shredded six pack abs, the toned arms, like all of these other things, and they're viewing clients as just a byproduct and not as a human. Oh, that's so true. It's like if a result isn't marketable, if a result can't be shown on a transformation picture, if if a result can't be sold to someone else with the, with the subtext being, come work with me and I can make you look like this, then very few trainers some like are interested in in doing that kind of work like yeah it's it's a a, it's not really a fully formed idea in my head yet so forgive me if i'm stumbling over the articulation of some of this but it's definitely definitely the case that a, a lot of people in the health and fitness space are only interested in producing results that support a business model that can be easily marketed easily scaled And that is at odds with doing the kind of coaching that makes people happier from the inside out. Yeah, it just makes me wonder, like, how do we, I know this is once again, this is like a big area that needs to be fixed and changed. But how do you think we get away from this whole notion of focusing so much on being able to produce, you know, these physical outcomes and being able to show that? and get to that more neutral space where, you know, the client that you work with is a human and regardless of the way that their body looks, as long as you can just help them, just become more embodied, help them detach this notion of weight equals worth. How do you think we can get away from that? I feel like it's something that we need to chip away at over time and definitely avoid falling into the trap of going to war with competing ideas over social media and those kind of platforms. Like we need to be able to meet people halfway. People need to feel understood in order to feel safe enough to take steps in any given direction. And an incredible example of this is like, I was out to dinner um, couple of weeks ago with my wife and she was coaching our waiter through a breakup. Like we'd been to this restaurant a number of times. We had the same waiter each time. He was like great. And then we rocked up one day and he was just sad. 
And it was like seeing a sad puppy. It was really rough because this guy, he was really lovely and everything. And he was just sad. And we said, you know, dude, like, are you okay? Like, what's up? And he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm not myself today. Um, I'm actually going through a breakup. And my wife works with relationships. Like she's a relationship coach. So I was like, okay, this is her specialty. This is her wheelhouse. I'm going to take a step back right now. Like this is, this is her thing. And I was thinking, wow, this is going to be really cool. I'm going to be able to watch her coach this guy kind of in real time. So he was standing by our table and she started asking him some questions and he was telling us some stuff about his ex that for me were like giant blood red flags, like flags that have been dyed with the blood of her exes. And I'm there trying to stop myself from grabbing this guy and saying, dude, pack a bag and run. But my wife was there very calm, very patient and going, okay, so, you know, you might end up with this. You might end up with this person. You might not. You never know how these things pan out. Sometimes after some time away from each other, you know, you grow as people and then you come back together. Other times it doesn't really happen that way. That, you know, what do you feel you need right now in this moment? And she was being very diplomatic like that, not drawing hard lines on exactly how things should be, not placing her opinions on top of his experience. And as we were walking away from the restaurant, I was like, man, like you, you did really well there. Like I was really struggling not to just go, dude, run like now, like run. Um, but she said, of course, like there were giant red flags there. And I really hope he doesn't end up with that person. But if I had gone into that conversation and said, she's a demon, you need to run. The mind isn't really good at jumping from one kind of extreme to the other. We need to provide this kind of situation where people have autonomy, people feel understood, and people feel the freedom to choose and make their own well-informed choices. So where this comes back to the nutrition and body image and kind of diet space, if we go hard into the nutrition and body image and wellness space with this like aggressive anti-diet, fuck the fitness industry message, the implication there for a lot of people is that everything that you've believed for, you know, however long you've believed it is totally wrong. We are correct. You need to believe the opposite of what you have previously believed now. And we expect like, we expect people to do that, like with the, the click of the fingers, like make that pull a handbrake turn on the highway, but no, we need to go in softer. We need to demonstrate that we understand the position that people are in with body image and, and the desire to change the body and, and how our values are sometimes aligned with that. And I guess when we want to change the bigger picture, that's the feeling that I get surrounding this, that I, I see a lot of people going to war in the nutrition and body image space. And I don't think it's constructive. I understand the need for very passionate messages. And there's a there's something to be said for doing that. But at the same time, sometimes it just makes people 
double down on what they already believe, if we go to war with certain beliefs, the people who are already leaning towards the side of body acceptance will come further towards body acceptance and, and body neutrality and, you know, intuitive eating. Whereas the people who are maybe on the other side of the fence, who are maybe a bit more wrapped up in concerns about body image, uh, disordered eating, a message as hard as, as this and aggressive as this might push them to double down on what, what they're familiar with. So I think it's multifaceted. I think we're going to need to chip away at it over time. And I think we're going to need to demonstrate to a very large group of people that we understand what they're experiencing. Yeah. And I think another important thing too, within all of this and to add on to is that, you know, I feel like, like you said, we kind of have these polar opposites that we're experiencing. And in a, a recent post of mine, I, I truly do believe that health can exist at every size. And, you know, there were other people who had a medical background that chose to reach out to me after I had posted that. And they tried to tell me that health can't exist at every size. And so you know, I think where where the ball is typically dropped is when you get into a space like that and you aren't able to have a, a mature conversation with the other group or party or anything like that. Because like you said, the other group just becomes offended or they just put that wall up and it's a, I'm right, you're wrong where I believe I was willing to step into that space. I was willing to sit and listen to that doctor just explain to me a little bit about, you know, here's my perspective, physiologically, biologically, here's why I don't believe that. And I was able to say, yes, I can hear that. And here's also my own perspective. And so I think that's the steps. And these are the steps that it's going to take where we have to almost agree to disagree and not create that polar opposite. We need to still be able to empathize with, I think, and try to understand the other belief, but it's not our responsibility to believe and just throw our own beliefs to the side just to appease the other person and to make them feel like they're right. And so I do also believe it's going to be a lot of work and it's just going to be chipping away but these conversations need to be had between both spaces and we can't shove it down the other people's throats and expect them to want to jump onto our own ship and the same goes for them right and so it just makes me curious to know what this middle ground could look like between the two um and just ha like have it be autonomous right like whoever is seeking services let them choose. And I really like how you pointed out here that, you know, there's no moral judgment if you are wanting to work with a personal trainer to lose weight or anything like that. That is your own, that is your own choice as a human being, as an individual and whatnot. Um, but it, it is frustrating when you feel like you're on this side of the spectrum and you're wishing people could open their eyes and blinders a little bit more to the shit that's happening much deeper than what's at surface level and what we continue to reinforce with diet culture and giving the notion that your body is everything and your worth is found in your appearance of your own body. Mm. It sounds like something I've noticed when looking at your content and even listening to you today is that you are particularly good at addressing this again for lack of a better word like this this impasse when it comes to diet culture and 
healthy at every size and everything. Like I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing there and the conversations that you're having because you're good at it. Like it's really obvious that you're good at it. And I must confess, sometimes I lean into creating, you know, humorous content and, you know, pointing out things using using jokes or or using other bits and pieces. But the the conversations that you're having, I think, are particularly important. And I just want to recognize you for that. It looks like you're doing a really amazing job at it. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And these conversations just need to be had. And I'm sick of a lot of this shit being just kind of a whisper here, a whisper there, many conversations happening. But we've done such a great job of having more conversations around mental health. And I think this is the most we've ever talked about our own mental health and our own mental well-being. People know that other people struggle with food and eating and eating disorders and body image. So why the hell aren't we talking about it more? It is so frustrating to me, right? It's like, why, why, why is there still such a stigma around this? Why are people still ashamed to struggle with their body? Like it happens. It is a very real thing and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing if you struggle with your body, just like it's the same that it's not bad to struggle with your mental health. And so I think I just that I just want people to know that so badly is that there should be no shame associated around any struggle you may have with food, eating, exercise, body image, any of that. It's part of the human experience. No one is perfect. We're all going to go through life experiencing some shit in some way or another. And so why can't we just embrace it and allow it? Because the more we try to suppress and not allow, the more intense and difficult whatever it is that we're experiencing becomes. Absolutely. What do you feel is the biggest barrier to men specifically speaking up about this? Like in your own experience with with your journey and then with the men that you've spoken to, what do you feel is the big obstacle here? I think a lot of it comes down to shame and humility. I think for me and my own journey, I was so ashamed of struggling with my eating disorder. And it wasn't until I was probably about two years into my own recovery that I felt called to share my own story of living with an eating disorder. And you know, the amount of messages that I got from other men after I had shared my story, I couldn't even fathom. I couldn't even fathom. And so I, I told myself, it is worth exposing myself and my story to let other people know that they aren't alone, especially men. And I felt like once I did that, there was, I feel like there, the veil of shame was definitely over me in this entire process when I was struggling with my eating disorder and even the beginning parts of my recovery. But after I shared my story, it's like that veil was lifted and to have the amount of people be able to empathize and reach out and, you know, see value in what it was that I shared. And regardless, I didn't need people to validate what it was that I was sharing. I just knew that deep down, I wanted to share my story with other humans and other individuals out there. Um, And so once that shame was gone, I was like, we need to do this work more. And, you know, and I think in a lot of these other conversations with men that I've been having, 
shame is definitely a part of the picture. There's still a lot of internal shame for being a male and struggling with body image or eating or exercise. And also, I think with that, there is a humility component, which I think comes back to, you know, gender stereotypes of, oh my gosh, if I outwardly, you know, express to others that what I'm struggling with is typically associated with something only quote unquote women struggle with then I'm not a man. I'm more feminine and viewed as a more feminine object in this world and in the eyes of others. And so I think that's where another challenging part is in this journey is some of that fear of judgment from other individuals if they choose to express what it is that they're going through. So I think for me, it's a little bit twofold with the shame part and then the humility of just accepting and honoring what it is that you're struggling with and not giving an F about what society or other individuals will think of that. What you mentioned about your experience of talking about it, how when you did decide to talk about it, you were blown away by the amount of men who did reach out, the amount of men who had that journey in common. I feel like just the act of saying it out loud sometimes, just the act of saying, yeah, this is something that I've experienced and sucks that in itself can be so healing in the right circumstances because it literally gives you the experience of saying you're struggling with something and that being safe of course you know we to some degree need to make sure we keep some good company when talking about these things but experiencing that felt sense of security when talking about something that you've struggled with and realizing that it's actually okay to say it out loud just removes this huge weight it's all of a sudden like oh like cool okay that that thing that i was worried i was worried i was keeping my like i was keeping a lid on this i was keeping this to myself and i actually don't need to like wow okay yeah we're allowing ourselves to be a human being it's part of our experience on this planet we're all going to have our own shit And I think, you know, that is the first step to healing is honoring and accepting because some people can walk through their entire life with knowing that there is a problem, but they just suppress and ignore. And that shit won't ever get healed if they don't honor and allow it, right? Mm, It's, I feel like it's part of the, the male identity, the words you used earlier in this conversation were enduring in isolation and in a really toxic and awful way we've kind of created this situation where a man who endures a lot of suffering on his own is held in high regard like look at look at the at the protagonist look at the male protagonist of every marvel film look at the the male protagonist of just so many iconic films and you will find a man who is suffering intensely usually in silence and he is often self-medicating in some way and this is the model that we are shown as you better live up to this so what okay so i've got to live up to this ideal of this guy who can't communicate 
at all and self-medicates. That's, that's the model for the alpha male. Like that's the model for the ideal man. It's mind blowing when, when we kind of switch on to that, when you, when you look out for that character, he is everywhere and he is put on a pedestal and it's fucked up. It's this whole idea, I think, of toxic masculinity and not showing any side of emotion or being afraid to, you know, experiment with clothing choices. And, oh, he's wearing a tighter shirt. That's more feminine, right? There's so many things that I feel like men experience on a daily basis. But it just makes me so curious that I just feel like so many men are driven to fall into this stereotype of being macho man, no emotion, very much so similar to, you know, the fitness space, you know, of needing to have the perfect body. And that's everyone, though. That's not just related to men, but just society as a whole, where they feel like they need to take up less and less space and taking up less space is viewed as better as opposed to if you take up more space, that's not good. And you need to fix that. Mm. That that phrase, you need to fix that. I feel like that's the subtext or that's like reading between the lines of so many different messages that we get from the media, from fitness industry, from the diet industry. It's essentially going, or they're essentially going, this is what you should be. This is what you are. You should fix that. I'm just trying to think here, before we wrap up our time here together, I feel like this is the perfect point to ask this question. But the title of this podcast is Embracing You. So how do you feel like a lot of this conversation and what we've talked about and if people truly take the time to, you know, quote unquote, do this work, how do you think that will help them embrace themselves? What's coming to mind is embracing the idea that the happiest, most fulfilled version of yourself will come from embracing a version of you that might not fit in the traditional cookie cutter mold of what you may have grown up expecting yourself to be. Mm. Isn't that the truth? Why can't we allow ourselves to just embrace the individual that we are now and reminding ourselves that there's nothing wrong with this person in the here and now? And I think the more that we can become grounded in that, like you just said, and embrace this version of ourselves, I just think the happier we'll be. Truth. Absolute truth. Yeah. Are there any other final words of advice or encouragement that you'd like to give listeners today before we end our time here together? I guess one thing that always comes up in the coaching work that I do that I don't think anybody, including myself, uh, can ever be reminded of like too much. And that is that if you're walking this path, if you're walking through the fog, if you can't see what's in front of you, but you're trying to find a better space for yourself, you're trying to find fulfillment, you're trying to find peace and going through a phase where every fucking day just feels difficult. If it feels like you're challenging your own beliefs, if you're challenging society's expectations, if you feel like you're going through this stage where just everything sucks and everything is hard, know that that season 
is not permanent. No, no feeling is permanent. No state is permanent. No season is permanent. Granted, some of them suck and they're really fucking hard. But if you are in a difficult place right now, keep going and it won't last forever. I think that's so hard to realize and to be able to zoom out when you're in that space because you're like, this is just going to last forever. But I think once we pause and zoom out and, and realize that this is only a season, I think that can definitely shift perspective. So I'm really grateful that those are kind of your final words of advice and encouragement for for listeners today. I think it's a really gentle way to um, bring this conversation to a close. And uh, I really do believe that the work that we do on ourselves is a lifelong journey. It's not you do the work now and you're magically done. It's you're constantly evolving and there's always going to be work to do. So I just think what beautiful words to remind ourselves and to be, to be able to come back to um, as we continue to walk this path of life. And thank you for that reminder as well, that it's an ongoing project. Like it's an, it's an ongoing thing. I think that's, again, that's just so invaluable. Try to, if we fixate on the idea that one day I'll be done, that can set us up for some, for a bit of a rough ride. But I really love that you, that you added that there because I think it's invaluable. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And lastly, where can we go to connect with you and learn a little bit more about the work that you do? Easiest place would be the Strong Not Starving podcast. The other easy place to find me is on Instagram, which is like my Instagram name is just Coaching. Kane spelt K-A-I-N. So those two places are the most reliable places to, to find me. Thank you so much. Yeah, wonderful. And I'll be sure to link both the link to your podcast and to your social uh, in the show notes. So if listeners are interested in checking out some of your work that you do uh, and your podcast and as well as follow you on um, Instagram, they will know uh, where to look for that. But Marcus, I want to thank you so much again for all of the time you've given you, this has been such a treat and soul filling, I would say, just in this time we've been able to share with one another. And I'm leaving this conversation feeling heard and seen and motivated. I feel like being in this space with you reminds me of why I do this work and what I hope this space can look like down the road of having real men have real conversations with one another about this topic. And so just thank you again so much for all that you were able to provide today uh, during our conversation. And I'm so incredibly grateful for this connection we've established with one another. Well, thank you so much for the invitation and the space to be here. And thank you for the work you do. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. For me, it was incredibly powerful to share this space with Marcus today and to just have that commonality between two men who aren't afraid to continue to raise awareness around 
eating disorders and disordered eating and body image and to hopefully let other individuals know and especially men know that they aren't alone if they are currently struggling or have struggled with any of these issues. So until next time, I hope that you continue to take care of yourselves. You continue to make sure that you are meeting all of your needs. And most importantly, you continue to love yourself on a daily basis because you're worth it. Much love.